Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. Hey, doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing well. I want you to think about something right now. Uh, you know, we've had about three and a half months worth of a baseball season so far. We've seen a lot, a lot of great moments, a lot of interesting storylines developing. I want you to imagine what it would be like if we just erased all that and started today with a, with a clean slate, a 0-0 sprint to the finish. Today is the one-year anniversary of opening day in the 2020 baseball season. This is what, this is what we missed out on last year. From here on out, this is what we actually had. Uh, in the 2020 season and everything before that was what we missed out on yeah that's uh that's correct yeah this would all just be an extended spring training and uh yeah i mean it would just yeah it would just be it would just be the next whatever 10 weeks nine or 10 weeks mm-hmm. Imagine uh, if today was opening day, yeah, that would have sucked pretty much yeah pretty much nine and a half weeks that teams would have uh <laughs> And only facing uh, in Divisional either their player. division or the opposite division, uh, yeah. you know, in the other league. But uh, yeah, I mean, it does put into sp- perspective like the this state and you know what it looked like. Because I, I wonder what changes have happened uh, already since we did the mock uh, like six like. Mock 60 game because uh, you did the 18 playoff. Yeah. I wonder if anything has changed that much. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, you know, we, we talked about when the 67th day of the regular season passed, you know, like I think DeGrom, yeah, DeGrom had like a point, point five six ERA or something like that still, or 0.68, <laughs> you know. It was uh, it was crazy, and Lance Lynn had like a one point two three ERA. So yeah, I mean stuff like that is possible when today would be opening day. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, that's you know it's a fun experiment now to just go back and remember, but thankfully it's hopefully something we'll never have to do again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So. You know, we came into the episode uh, yesterday thinking there would not be that much news, but uh, a couple uh, a couple big things happened. Um, I mean, I guess I guess the thing we'll start off with actually happened uh, in the last half hour within recording. Uh, the Cleveland uh, Cleveland just announced what their name will be uh, in 2022 going forward. Seems they will be the Cleveland guardians um interesting uh interesting way of going about things they have no idea what it's supposed to mean 
it is interesting. So they they just posted a video on their their socials. They had Tom Hanks, uh, I believe it was, doing a like a a read through of their like of their video. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I like it. I'm I'm all in on this. You know, obviously Chris and I, uh, we've wanted the naps, but realistically, that just that wasn't going to happen. Obviously, that was just not going to be a thing. Uh, I would have been cool with the spiders, and that seemed to be the popular answer. But I'm I'm in on the guardians. You know, it's gonna take some time to getting to get used to, obviously. Uh, but you know, they have the exact same font. They switched up the C in the logo a little bit. It's like more like edgy i don't know how that sounds that sounds weird but like the, it has more i don't know what else yeah. to call it but it looks a little different uh and i i like it and they also have a uh an alternate logo with like a g with like baseball with wings on it i think it's i think that logo is really cool and i'm i'm all in on the cleveland guardians you know they'll still be the naps forever in my heart but i can get behind this yeah the uh the logo <clears throat> yeah the logos are good I just, I, I don't know, I don't, like, there's a, I feel like Cleveland, it's, it's an old enough city, they could have gone uh, something, they could have something, they could have gone with something a little more historical, something. Like the, the river fires? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. They could have, you know, they got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there, they could have had, uh, they could have done something with that. I mean, Guardians it seems to be a reference to angels and like we already have the we already have the angels is it is a little weird but i mean going off of your like the rocks point like same thing where it's like tough to do like the cleveland rocks even though that sounds awesome it's tough to do when you already have the rockies right yeah i mean you know i i haven't been thinking about this too much because you know we've been dead set on the on the cleveland naps but you know, yeah, I, it it was like one of the last names I was thinking of, but it's always yeah. The Guardians are always like a, a a generic a generic team name in like unlicensed video games or something. They'll always have like the Guardians as a as an option for a team. I mean, I like I don't know. I don't really need some sort of deeper meaning in a team. Like if it sounds cool, it sounds cool, and I think Guardians sounds cool. Like, I, like, you don't need to tell me about, like, the history of the city and, like, this deeper, like, whatever. Like, I don't really care that much. Like, just give me a cool name that I can right. get behind. And that's, they did it. Um, someone on Twitter said, like, you know, I like the name and all, but, like, what exactly are they guarding? And then someone responded and said, Paul Dolan's bank account. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. That's, um, that's it. That's, that's the deeper meaning right there. You know what? Yeah, maybe maybe I can get behind that. <laughs> they're <laughs> yeah, they're making they're making sure he gets you know that profit without uh having to spend anything. Yeah, um, Guardian simplify like it signifies you know the history of the franchise with Kenny Lofton, Francisco Lindor, CC Sabathia, all the guys that they didn't want to pay because they needed to guard uh, Paul Dolan's bank account from becoming two percent bankrupt. Yep. Right. Exactly. Um, that's a good point. So you know, if when I can think of uh, when I think of the Guardians, I'll think of that, and and then maybe I won't be uh, as disappointed as disappointed as I would be. Yeah. So you know, that was the breaking news. Um, that 
that's what we'll be calling them in uh 2022 from 2022 onwards until uh you know maybe another change uh, another change is made but that's what they will be all right uh and also yesterday there was a you know the the first big uh first big pin to drop in the uh trade uh yeah in the trade world and this came with no rumors prior it's it wasn't a thing where like those are, those are the best trades yeah just uh percent it's it's like sneaking a fastball by you yeah like you... I'll, I'll always remember i don't know why i get this the memory that pops in my head but like i remember 2015 it was like 12 30 at night i was laying in my bed on my phone boom troy to the whiskey traded to the blue jays and i was just like oh like i don't know why that's the one i remember but like that was just no rumors just here it is here's the news and then the next day it was like you know david price build up to the blue jays and it was just like this isn't the same just give me what i got last night yeah this is what we got with this trade or with the, yeah with this trade which uh, i mean best kind of trade ever yeah because there's been there haven't really there hasn't been really any news in terms of rumors of like uh names or uh names being attached to teams outside of you know some articles where they're saying uh, executives are interested in this or like this guy is going to have a high asking price or this guy is not going to have as much of an asking price as you would think uh that's really all that's been going on thus far and i mean i get you know we do have uh now now we have pretty much exactly a week until the trade deadline but yeah uh but the first p- big pin to drop, Nelson Cruz uh, traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they pulled the trigger. They're going to pay him probably like $6 million this year. And, uh, you know, we've we've discussed why this is a necessary move for the Rays. And uh, they finally they finally pulled the trigger. Yeah, I just want to say shout out to my reverse psychology because I straight up said they won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? They proved me wrong, and I am 100% okay with that. This is, I love when it, you know, like a small market team goes out and does what they need to do, and that's what the Rays have done here. Uh, they, they, you know, they're a team that's just very well-rounded. They're pretty much very good at everything. They just lack having a superstar player. And Nelson Cruz, you know, even if he doesn't play the field, he is that. You know, he's a 41-year-old hitting legend. Uh, I, I saw, a, I got a stat yesterday where, he has a uh, seven qualifying seasons, uh, aged 34 or older, with a 135 OPS plus or higher, and that is the most all time. Set, wait, most all time. Uh, oh, by a by a by player, player aged 34 or older. Yeah, I mean, yep. yeah, that's that's it. That's you know, that's something you put down in in the history series. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, yeah. He's he's been killing it, you know. I think it's pretty obvious what he's been doing, especially since he uh, went into uh, Minnesota, but also Seattle had a very good career there as well. Um, overall, this year uh, since June fifth, he is ninth in the MLB in OPS. He's a, a 998 OPS in his last uh, 35 games, so they're catching him uh, doing very well. Uh, also, some notes I had on Cruz going to the Rays. Uh, funnily enough, his career 
TOPS plus. Uh, TOPS plus is like what o his OPS plus is by Nelson Cruz standards. So his career OPS is like 880 something. So his if if you're if you're uh, OP if his OPS in a certain split is in the 880s, it's around 100. So his career TOPS plus at, at uh, Tropicana Field is exactly 100. So oh, wow. uh, no, like, uh, so there's not going to be a negative defect from him going to Tropicana Field most likely and uh, not a crazy positive. One, one park he's done particularly well at is uh, pretty significant. So, you know, in the upcoming schedule, the Rays, the Rays played the Red Sox uh, 13 times overall. And they have seven of those games at Fenway Park. Nelson Cruz has a 10.35 career OPS at Fenway Park. So that is a, that is a place where he could wreak havoc and uh, help the Rays out in the American League East division race. Uh, but that's really all the notes I have. But yeah, and we can get into how bad it's been for the uh, Rays, you know, in terms of three hitters, in terms of DHs. It just hasn't been working out. Yeah. Uh, like in the middle of that order for the Rays. That's exactly that's exactly what I was gonna say. Uh, found this yesterday. Rays three hitters this year have a 73 weighted runs created plus. That is second worst in the major leagues, just behind, uh, just ahead of the Detroit Tigers. Who I mean, they might have. I mean, maybe they picked that up yesterday. But yeah, the Rays they've needed a strong bat, like a solid, you know, reliable bat in their lineup all year because a lot of guys have been inconsistent. You know, Brandon Lau's been picking it up recently, but he struggled for a while. Austin Meadows was obviously a how about that of yours. He's kind of cooled it down as of late. Nelson Cruz, you can put him in the lineup any day and you know what you're going to get out of him. You know, obviously he's going to have his over four, his over, you know, his over five days, whatever. But, you know, you put him in that lineup and you, you feel good about his at-bats every single day. Yeah, exactly. Nelson Cruz, he's not, he's not someone that's really capable of, going on uh going on stretches where he's consistently like striking out three times a game you know even as a power hitter he does not uh strike out very much this at least uh at least this year this year his uh strikeout percentage is the uh, lowest it's been in the stat cast era stat cast area doesn't really have much significance because it's not a stat cast metric but uh it's what it's it's what I see on the baseball savant page. His strikeout percentage is eighteen point two percent. League average is around twenty four percent. So, uh, you know, he's someone that can also make contact, and he makes uh, he always makes quality contact. You know, his average exit velocity is in the ninety fifth percentile uh, in all of baseball, and uh, his expected his expected woba this year is in the ninety third percentile in all of baseball. So. Uh, and exactly, he's extremely, extremely consistent. It's it's just the antidote that the uh, that the Rays needed, pretty much. It's also, it's also perfect that they they have a DH because their outfield defense is very strong. You know, they got Brett Phillips, Manuel Margot, Kevin Kiermaier out there, Austin Meadows when they need him. Like all those guys are solid. Right. And, you know, they don't have to like Nelson Cruz is being put in a position where it's just hey, all we need you to do is hit. Like, don't worry about playing the field. Just go out there and hit the baseball, and that's that's all you're here for. And then, you know, 
Uh, Randy Rosarena was a recent slightly alarming of mine. I could see, I mean, you know, Nelson Cruz is a very big clubhouse guy, and he's obviously a veteran. You know, he could have a big veteran presence in that clubhouse. Uh, you know, we saw, like, a lot of the mentorships that went on in Minnesota, and he seemed really distraught to be leaving there, uh, which I found really interesting. Like, Miguel Sano, Luisa Rice, guys like that, like, have shown, like, you know, that they're going to miss him. And I really feel like he can bring that culture into Tampa because they have a lot of young guys in that clubhouse, Randy Rosarena most specifically. Uh, and, I mean, also, you know, Wander Franco, Wander Franco, Vidal Brujan. You know, they have a lot of guys that have superstar potential that Nelson Cruz can help out going forward. Yeah, because what you also bring with that bat, you bring uh, now 17 years of Major League Baseball experience and, uh, you know, knowledge that I imagine he can he can help give to – his, uh, his younger teammates. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely puts the Rays in a uh, much better position. It, it was exactly what they needed. And uh, I mean, it's uh yeah, it's tough to see, tough to see as a Red Sox fan mm-hmm. uh, that they finally have kind of that threat in the lineup that they've uh, been lacking uh, at least in 2021. Uh I don't really have much much else to say. Uh, much else to say on the matter. I think and, I got. I mean, shout out to the Rays for doing what they need to do. Uh, like they're they're taking this seriously and they want a World Series. And this is the move that they needed to make to go out and get it. Like it's it's very cool that we're the Rays. They had the first like they were the first domino to fall, and they pretty much did everything they needed to do. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. Like you know, know they, sure there are still a few touch-ups could be that could be used here and there, but like if they if they keep their roster as is, like it's not the end of the world. Exactly, exactly. Like they uh, they operate they operate their team pretty well. It's just there was one big hole, uh, that being you know in the middle. Of, like there were multiple things. You know, a guy in the middle of the order who's going to be a consistent DH who's also right-handed. Uh, you know, I couldn't really think of, you know, a right-handed threat in the uh, Rays lineup. I mean, I think their best hitter this year has been Austin Meadows, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't have the stats in front of me. Stuff up, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, Nelson Cruz is, he's the best hitter in that lineup now. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And uh, yeah, he can, uh, he he. Mike Zanino he, might be their best hitter. He he leads the lead. He leads the team in weighted runs created plus. Uh, he leads in F four. Oh and yeah, right. And he's hitting one ninety six. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, Meadows. Five twenty one slugging percentage. A good, right. Love a good <laughs> three twenty five ISO. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at their uh, lineup on the baseball reference page or what they've, who they've been throwing out there uh, as a, as a team. Yeah. Meadows uh, 788 OPS is Zanino 817 OPS. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Zanino's the only guy um, in their like baseball reference nine person lineup that has an OPS above 800 yeah, you just added uh, uh, Nelson Cruz, who has a 907 OPS. So, 
I'm gonna that's find uh that's very very good for the for the Rays, and uh, they'll keep on keep on finding ways to win, and it'll be easier with Cruz. All right. Mike's in um, um, I I put this into I just punched this into Baseball Reference. The stat head. I want to see how many qualifying seasons have ever had a sub 200 batting average and a 520 plus slugging. Uh, nothing showed up. It just said there were no results. But Mike Zanino, I mean, he qualifies via fan graphs. And he, I mean, he's a catcher. Now he doesn't. You're probably, he probably does not. Well, let's, uh, go, let's go. Let's go minimum 200 plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. Zanino could end up uh, having the first such season. Oh, yeah. He absolutely has the first such season. Yes. Yeah. Let's go, Mike. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's been, uh, he's been hitting a lot of home runs. Yeah. It's funny, uh, when you go to the, when you go to baseball savant, like home run leaderboards, he has, he, I know it, the last time I checked, he had like a crazy amount of, yeah, uh, what yeah. they call no doubters. He has 38 hits. 25 of them are extra base hits. Wow. That... 13, 13 of them. Would, he has 19 home runs and 13 singles. That's very funny. I love it. That's, <laughs> that's, it's, it's a beautiful sport. Yeah, it really, it really is. It really is. Uh, yeah, I'm look, let's look at the no doubters leaderboard. Uh, it's Fernando Tatis Jr. and then it's Mike Zanino. In terms of <laughs> yes, no doubters. He's tied with Shohei Otani. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you got you got that three four punch of Cruz and Zanino. Like you're you're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, Cruz is someone that can that can really get on base as well. I think he's usually around close to four hundred in terms of on base percentage. It's a very good acquisition, and I think the Rays are gonna. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, has the has the return for Cruz been released at all? Like yeah, it was a couple of minor leaguers. I'll read the names off. It was like the Rays, like ten prospect was I think the or like the number one uh, player to come back. I think like the twelve prospect was there as well. Let's yeah. I mean, not a terrible return. They got, like, yeah, it's they got two two arms, Joe Ryan and Drew Strodman. Yeah, it's a it's a rental for it's a it's a DH rental, so you're not gonna get a crazy amount. And even even if those prospects end up panning out really well, like how, like are you really kicking yourself that much? Yeah, you can't be. I mean, the Rays are very good at developing prospects, so yeah, uh, they're you know they'll end up finding someone else i would imagine mm -hmm. but yeah i think the rays did it. the Rays, yeah as you as you mentioned yeah. the rays did also it. i will say credit to the twins for getting two pitchers because that is clearly what they need oh yeah even it's... even if they did just lose their best bat and like going forward pitching is their issue yeah that's what they need to focus on uh especially if they if they if they want to trade burrios uh yeah that would um it would make sense to get pitching to uh, fill that role. Yeah, Minnesota pitching has uh, has historically not been their strength. Um, going back to 
like Johan Santana, that might be the last time it was really there. Yeah, they're uh, maybe that was the last time it was their strength. Yeah, I mean, great playoff run from those guys. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Uh, All right, so now we uh, move on to talking about a different AL Central team, a team that's been, you know, they, they started out horrifically but they've recovered and you know it's not a team that's going to make any noise in 2021 but uh you know daniel has been uh daniel's been texting texted me talking about uh how this team has been doing uh since around the start of may and you know now i see specifically in their last 65 games i mean a very good record they've been really making some noise and uh, they're currently on a seven-game winning streak, undefeated in the second half. The Detroit Tigers are really uh, really making some noise. They absolutely are, Chris. Uh, how about this? Going back to June 20th, the Tigers are 18-9. and nine. That is very much the best record in Major League Baseball. They've, you know, I mentioned their starting pitching and how great it's been with the future. Unfortunately, uh, it took a bit of a turn because Spencer Turnbull uh, unfortunately, went down with Tommy John surgery, so we're not going to be seeing him uh, for quite a while. But, I mean, they've had a lot of guys step up. Eric Haas was a how about that of mine, but I only talked about one game. Uh, but he has continued onward. He has, I think, four multi-homer games this season, which is awesome. Uh, coming through as a catcher that also plays the outfield, I believe, because, you know, everyone has that kind of player. They've just been excellent on all fronts. Like, they don't have any – there isn't anything in particular that's been great. Like, there isn't – they don't have, like, that one player that has, like, a 200-weighted runs created plus, you know, over that sample, uh, except for Victor Reyes and eight plate appearances with a 411-weighted uh, runs created plus, of course. But they've just been – they've just been rock solid all around. And it's pretty – it's inspiring to see. And like I, like I said with the – you know, I think I – my takeaway with the Tigers here is similar to what I saw with the Mariners earlier, where, you know, I don't see this as a sign for a future for a playoff run this year, but I mean, we could really be seeing this team. This could be like the beginning stages of this team's like playoff window where it's like, you know, they started performing well in 2021 and that encouraged them to to do X, Y, and Z going into 2022. And then they did whatever. Yeah, very much so. Um, also, in their last uh, sixty-five games, they are thirty-eight and twenty-seven, uh, which is I should I should uh, look up what that one hundred sixty-two game pace is. But I mean, that's like a that's like a contending team, you know. After sixty-five yeah. games, if you've gone thirty-eight and twenty-seven, uh, that is um, that's something to look after, and. Yeah, in a 162 game pace, that would be a 95 win season. So yeah, I uh, think this this opens up a lot of questions about what to do with the trade deadline. And I would say, uh, Jonathan Scope has been one of their bigger bats all year, I'd, and he's going to be a free agent, I believe. Uh, I'm wondering if they could try to do like what the Yankees did with Araldis Trabin, where they trade him at the deadline and then get him back the next year. Right. Right. Yeah. It- it's something they could do. I mean, you know, Tigers ownership has been willing to spend when they, uh, when they see fit. Um, one thing I actually 
one thing we've we haven't uh, addressed is I wonder if teams are going to be more hesitant to give up on next year since you know there's going to be a new CBA and there is a possibility yep. of expanding playoffs. Uh, and I think about this with the Tigers because if there were to be, you know, the 2020 version of the playoffs next season, I mean, that second place spot in the American League Central is up for grabs pretty much. Uh, you know, uh, for next year, I, I imagine the White Sox will probably continue um, to do what they've been doing uh, this year. But that second place spot in the American League Central would be up for grabs and the Tigers especially with the way they've been playing over the last uh, two plus months, uh, they, uh, you know, they would certainly be a contender for that spot and, you know, a pot potential fourth, fifth or sixth seed in, in an expanded playoff uh, setting. That so I think that's, true. that's something. And I think that's something maybe that, I don't know, maybe the twins might consider also uh, given, you know, they have some guys with, you know, with a uh, control in 2022, like Barrios or Buxton that they might consider holding on to if, if the uh, expanded playoff is a thing next year. But yeah, I mean, the Tigers, uh, you know, it, it might encourage them to do more next year because next year, how I see it uh, now I feel like they could be a second place team that does not get a wild card spot, but uh, you know, an expanded playoffs, they cannot, uh, they could definitely make the playoffs. Uh, some stats on the Tigers on their seven game win streak. Uh, their team ERA is 1.50, which is first in major league baseball and their team FIP is 2.56 which is second in major league baseball also their team ops in this span is 867 which is second in the american league and uh, some individual performances jamer jamar candelario hitting 364 with a with an 1143 ops on the seven game win streak robbie grossman who we've mentioned as a possible trade target which might not be the case he is hitting at 292 with a 1060 OPS, and Jonathan Scope is hitting 407 with a 969 OPS on this winning streak. Um, I have a couple more things. Yeah, go uh, right ahead. So I mentioned the June 20th sample where they lead uh, the majors in – well, they have the best record in the majors. Do you want to guess who leads the Tigers in offensive F4 uh, over this period of time? In uh, – is it gonna is it gonna surprise me? Probably. Um would it be hmm would it be Eric Haas? It would not. It would be a man named Jake Rogers. Who oh. I believe was in the Astros organization and traded in the Justin Verlander trade. Is that is that correct? I believe it's correct. Um he played for my local minor league team in 2016, and I, I believe, yeah, looks like 2018 he started in the Tigers organization. Uh, Chris, you can look this up. I believe Jake Rogers was a part of the Justin Verlander trade, but anyway, uh, he's played 17 games since June 20th, hitting 275 with a 608 slugging percentage, 
uh, and a 151 weighted runs created plus, 0.08 F4 leads the Tigers. So that's been very impressive. And also on the mound, Willie Peralta uh, has been dealing lately. He has pitched, so since June 26th, he has pitched 26 and two-thirds innings. Uh, he has an 0.34 ERA in five starts. Wait, who so, is that? Willie Peralta. Oh, yeah, he's been killing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been he's been very good on the mound. Uh, the, the team's been very good around him. Like this, they've got a lot of guys just step up. Like their best offensive player has been Jake Rogers, and their best pitcher has been Willie Peralta, just as everyone predicted for the 2021 Tigers. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um. Any uh, yeah, Jake Rogers uh, was in the Justin Verlander trade. Mm-hmm. He had that. He was a third round pick in the 2016 draft. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, good, good for these guys having going out, having fun, and uh, just you know, winning some ball games. Thirty eight, like thirty eight and twenty seven and sixty five games is is no joke for sure. Um, they've been uh, a a bit of a surprise. And, you know, it makes you wonder if they're going to be a team that has an early arrival. You would expect, you know, before the season, some would say you'd have to wait until 2023 or 2024 for something to pop up with this Tigers team. But it could happen as early as next year. Also, you know, you might expect uh, the number one overall pick Spencer Torkelson to make an appearance next year. So things could uh, start to get going actually now. I'm wondering what Torkelson's uh, minor league he's stats in, I are. I believe he's in double A and like. he has nine home runs. Spencer Torkelson. I, I saw he homered last night in Erie. Yeah, I mean, uh, overall in minor league baseball this year, 61 games. He's got a 973 OPS uh looking very good uh as expected with the in the minor leagues he's already in double a uh which is a good sign and you know he was drafted out of college so his rise to the major leagues is going to be a little quicker so yeah things are looking very very bright could you see him making his major league debut like around this time next year uh around i mean potentially uh, I mean, how old is he? He's out of college, so he's probably like 23. Um, I feel. Did he get drafted as a junior? I think. I think he got drafted uh, as. A... I don't know. Actually, he's definitely not 23 because he's. I know he's not older than Juan Soto, so he's probably 22, 21. He is. Uh, he turns 22 on August 26th. Okay. So he'll be. Yeah, at this time next year, he will yeah, be 22. You can see it. I could see. I mean, I could see him making the debut. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I guess, I guess in this month, July, I could see it happening for sure. Because let's say, let's, you know, he's, he'll obviously finish the year in Double A. I don't think he'd go up to Triple A uh, anytime soon. And right. Maybe, maybe if he performs well next year, you could see him in Triple A in like May of 2022, and then spend two months there. And then if he's doing well there, here he here he is in the big league club. Yep, exactly. Wasn't remember when Rafael Devers was in AAA for like a week, and then the Red Sox were like, "All right, yeah, we've seen enough." 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time they just skip triple A. <laughs> yeah, double A has like the most talent in the minors. Like that's those were the those were the good players are. Yeah, triple A is just like the fill roster spaces. Yeah, triple A can be, you know, very uh, veteran heavy. We actually, yeah. we were talking via text about Mark Appel, who's currently, he's the 2013 number one overall pick, and uh, you know hasn't worked out, but he's he's actually still in the he's in the Phillies system in triple A right now. That's kind of the sometimes the vibe of of triple A. But you know, you'll find some good players. Yeah, good good signs from the Detroit Tigers. Anything more? Anything more on the club? I don't I got nothing else. I mean, just you know, keep winning. Keep yeah, exactly. Got in the future. Exactly. All right. What do we want to get into next? What story Herman do we Mercedes? Yeah. What a weird twenty four hours. Exactly. yeah. It, it, he uh he first proposed i don't know if it was on his story or it was something on his story. it was like he said el retiro which has resemblance of retire it had, like the, it had like the thinking emoji face too yeah he's like he's like this mm-hmm. and uh and then he announced retirement like several hours, hours later. later yeah and then uh, within and then the next day, which was yesterday, he said, "No, I'm I'm going to be back. I'm not going to retire." Yeah. Um. I don't know if you did. You read the the retirement post from the from the night that he retired. Um. No. I. I, I or at least I don't really have any relec- recollection of it. Okay. It was the most depressing thing I've ever read. It was so sad. Like I was I was genuinely like wondering if he was okay. It seemed like it really sounded like he just needed to, you know, a lot of people were pointing fingers at Tony La Russa, and I, I understand that, but like the way he made it, he like made it out to be, it really seemed like it was beyond a Tony La Russa thing. Um, but now, like, I mean, he's back, so maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe it was just a Tony La Russa thing. I don't know. But I mean, like, you know, I think a lot of people, first of all, like before we get into any of this, like, you know, we hope German Mercedes is okay, because we, you know, the reality is we don't know the ins and outs of his life, and no reporter's probably going to get that deep, and just because it's not ethical to do so, and regard, you know, now that we've said that, like, there was a direct correlation between his performance in the majors before and after Tony La Russa told him not to hit home runs on 3-0 counts. Yeah, right. There, uh, there definitely was something, and I think there is also something that messes up with a with the psyche of someone who, you know, is in the minor leagues for nine, ten years, and then becomes the uh, best hitter in baseball for uh, almost a month. Yeah, and uh, and then eventually goes on a downfall, and then goes back, goes right back to the minor leagues that he was in for nine to 10 years there's something that can mentally break a person i would imagine um so that in general i think had something to do with the uh, retirement but yeah there was there was a kind of a correlation with the with his slump and 
uh, Tony Larusa, um, and yeah, Tony Larusa commenting on on it. I mean, I can go to the game logs here. It is just so stupid. Like, what if, what if he homered on a three-one count? Like the same, like basically the same thing happens. Like, is Tony Larusa gonna get upset if he homers on a three-one count? No, he's not. Like, who? And then if he walks, it's like you're still extending the game. Like it makes it makes you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue you know ignoring a take sign because in you know at the end of the day like the coach has authority but like giving the take sign there is just so stupid like I just don't understand it. Yeah, it's literally so stupid to get mad about. Um, yeah, Mercedes had a a 984 OPS um, after. The 16-4 game that they won over the Twins, where uh, Mercedes got that uh, got that home run on the 3-0 count, and then after that, he had a 4.43 OPS. I guess there was he was heading down a little bit, like just a little bit uh, before uh, before that home run, but I mean it might have just been a natural. Uh, a natural thing that happened. I'm trying to see from April 20th uh, to before that game, he had a 770 OPS, which isn't, it's not quite the slump that he had. It's not quite the slump that he had uh, after that, after that game. And yeah, it's, it's definitely like, especially, especially when, cause he had, a, he actually did have a good game the game after but then larusa when uh when he was thrown at larusa didn't have his back and uh i think that might have been that might have been what messed him up uh the most i'm not sure yeah i mean like it probably could have messed with his confidence a lot and it might have sent him down that spiral and i mean like i said like you know one of the points i made was you take when you're in Mercedes position, you take every home run you can get because you never know when you go three for 40 and you end up back in the minor leagues and you're out of the league. And I mean, that exact that that exact example almost played out exactly as I scripted it. Yeah. And I think we've mentioned this before. When you go to an arbitration hearing, they're not mm-hmm. they're not pointing out the uh, three oh counts taken. Yeah. They're pointing out, they're pointing out your home runs. They're pointing out your slugging. Yeah. They're pointing. And they're out... not even gonna be like, well, you hit thirty-seven home runs, but it should have been thirty-six because that one was off a position player. Like that one doesn't count. Like they they don't do that. That's not happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they they don't do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mercedes went in the in the game after that game. Mercedes went uh, two for four, and then uh, after that, it just kind of. His OPS didn't get above uh, 988 after that, so he didn't raise his OPS after that. Um, so that's when the, that's when the slump really uh, really started to hit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a thing where yeah, as a player, you have to look at it like you know they're not gonna they're not really gonna care about this when uh, arbitration hearings happen, which is when exactly. things really start to matter. So is that uh is that everything with Mercedes? I mean, I hope, you know, I I was also wondering if this retirement had something to do with his place on the White Sox in the future because 
the reason he got that start on opening day or, you know, on the, on, was on the opening day roster was because Eloy Jimenez got hurt and then eventually Luis Robert also got hurt. But, you know, Eloy and Luis Robert are both in rehab assignments right now and they'll pretty soon be coming back up on the major league roster for the White Sox. And then from there, you know, you don't really know where Mercedes fits. Um, I mean, with that being said, like, you know, I'm sure if he doesn't see himself having a place on the White Sox, he could probably find his way on another franchise. You know, I'm sure someone else will absolutely take him. Right, right. Um, Which, I don't know, like, I don't know, as a, like, how how often do, do requesting trades happen in baseball? Like, it happens all the time in, like, the NBA or the NFL, but, like, you know, how often do you have a guy in baseball being like, you need to trade me, like, please just do it? Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that pretty much ever happens. And if it does, it's not reported ever. Yeah, no, it isn't. But I feel like it would be. Uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely would. Um, it definitely would be a thing. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Mercedes. He's he was gone, but not for long. He is. Uh, he is back. All right, and uh, last thing we want to get into before players to highlight: what are you, uh, what are you, uh, what are you thinking about the all-woman broadcast uh, yeah, that was on a... YouTube? It was so you know. For those of you who don't know, we had a very historic moment on Tuesday where we had the very first all-woman broadcast for a baseball game. It was ooh, my mic just cut out there. It was uh, Melanie Newman doing play-by-play, Sarah Langs doing uh, as an analyst alana rizzo as a sideline reporter or an on-field reporter i guess and then heidi wadney and lauren gardner uh doing pre and post game show um you know obviously all of these all of the people here are legitimately you know there's always going to be like the oh this is a pr stunt people that really wasn't the case here and like at least with the with the level of talent there like sarah langs for instance like we've referenced her on this show multiple times because she is legitimately one of the smartest and most talented people out there yeah exactly yeah like um it was probably a thing where they you know it was a it was what like a youtube uh tv game so they they always have kind of alternate alternative people they don't have it's not like they have like joe davis going out there like they do with fox it's uh it's always kind of more alternative people that aren't usually calling games so they probably had three they probably had like three or four women already signed up and were like all right we can really like what's wrong with this yeah yeah let's let's make this a thing and uh you know i wasn't watching i wasn't watching the game because uh like i don't know it was you know raise orioles i kind of expected the Rays to handle business but it they almost didn't do it uh but that's beside the point. I mean, yeah, I, like Sarah Langs as an analyst is is something you want. I mean, I wouldn't mind her seeing seeing her on uh, one of the Statcast broadcasts. You know, given her, um, given her knowledge on the way, you know, Statcast works, and you know the the reference to, um, you know how it its impact on the game and things it's not like we're listening to it's it's not like uh jessica mendoza where like 
she's trying to relate like her softball days to, you know, a major league baseball player, which is not quite the same. I think, I think everyone in there kind of knows their strengths and uh, kind of stuck with it. Yeah. So I'll just give some of my thoughts on the, the broadcast itself, like historical aspect aside. Um, I was able to watch the first few innings of it. Uh, I had other things going on that day, but I did make sure to tune in for as much as I could. And, you know, I'm, I don't want to say I'm easy to please, but like, I'm pretty upfront on this show, at least with what I want in a broadcast. You know, I, I love the numbers, like just give me all of the numbers. That's why I love the StatCast broadcast. That's why I'm tuning into White Sox games every, as much as I can. You know, they give me, they give me all the numbers and like, you know, I want to, I want to know that the people on the TV screen are smarter than I am because sometimes, you know, this is going to sound cocky as hell, but sometimes I don't feel that. Like if I'm watching, I don't I mean, I don't even mean to call anyone out in particular, but I don't know if I'm watching like a, a, a Cardinals Reds game on the, on the St. Louis broadcast. And they're like the keys for the game are for the Cardinals to beat the Reds. Look out for Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker. Those are the best two bats in the Reds lineup. And they're combining to hit uh, 326 this month. Like, I'm not learning anything from that. Chris, you're not learning anything from that. We all know that. That's, you know, that's just, you know, a five-year-old could say that. Um, and when Sarah Langs did her keys for the game for the Rays Orioles broadcast, she did the, the keys to the game for the Rays. And one of the things she mentioned was that the Rays outfield uh, leads the majors in outs above average. And, I mean, you know what? I didn't know that. Like, that's, that's something I learned. So, you know, very very impressive stuff from her and just very good all around uh like seriously if that was just the regular broadcast like i would watch that one more than most others in the majors because they gave me way more information than pretty much anyone else does yeah absolutely i mean sometimes it's not some some for some broadcasts it's not necessarily necessary to have the voice of a of a former player although it is nice to have i i do prefer having um, you know, some someone with a uh, major league experience in there, but sometimes it's not that necessary, and you just need uh, you just need all the stats that you can get. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess in the Statcast broadcast they have uh, Pedro or no, um, uh, Eduardo Eduardo Perez, Eduardo Perez mm-hmm. um, in there who had major league experience, but I mean they do focus primarily on on the numbers, and yeah, like. I mean, even when I'm watching a uh, Nesson broadcast, it's, I mean, that's the broadcast I'm most familiar with in, uh, in baseball, whenever they mention something from Statcast, it, like Dave O'Brien always says it, like it's something foreign. He's like, so, uh, his barrel, his barrel rate, which is the amount of, uh, balls you, I guess, get the barrel on, uh, it is, uh, 11.8%, which is in the, uh, seeing what they're saying is the 82nd percentile and ba- yeah. only 18, only so 18% of the league is better than him at, uh, I guess, barreling up the ball. This is what they have on a uh, stat cast has been a, a thing they've had since 2015. It's always like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I was watching the, the Yankee broadcast for Yankee Red Sox last night and Michael K had this like outrageous, like this made no sense to me where, I think so, so one of the pitchers for the Yankees threw like a high and end fastball to the or was like someone in the Red Sox and he was referencing some I wish I knew what he was quoting but he but like he was clearly reading off something where he was like you know like that high and end fastball like that kind of that kind of deteriorates deteriorates like what the launch angle guys want 
Like, you can't really, like, the launch angle goes away when you have that high and in fastball. It's like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I swear I, to God, that was an actual thing that was said. Yeah, I get I get his point there, saying that... I get his point, but you don't need to bring launch angle into it. Like, when you throw a high and in fastball, your goal is to jam someone and not have them elevate a pitch that gets, like, into the outfield. Like, they, like it's very difficult. Like, you need a lot of bat speed to do that. Like you can, I just, I just made that same point without bringing launch angle into it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if, and if they do hit the ball, it will have the highest of launch angles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it'll, it will not go very far. It won't go very far. It'll have like a 60 degree launch angle. Yeah. It'll, it'll go, you know, about 90 feet. And by the way, here's, here's a little launch angle thing uh, that I was pointing out last night uh, in the Red Sox Yankee game last night. The Red Sox had 16 ground balls in the first eight innings of the game, 16 batted balls with a launch angle below 10 degrees. They had a total of one run. And in the ninth inning alone, they had four batted balls with a launch angle between 10 and 30 30 degrees, and they tied up the game in the ninth by scoring two runs. They had two of such batted balls in in the eight previous innings, four in the ninth inning. And guess which guess which was the winning the inning that they scored all the runs the ninth. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's almost uh, as if launch angle equals offense. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's always about finding a balance. You can't be hit. You can't be uh, launching the ball forty degrees, you know, every exactly. time. But like between, like you want it between ten and thirty degrees. Right. Exactly. And I I guess that's what is being preached is line drives, yeah. but obviously there hasn't been a change in the last. Seven, uh, seven years, which you've mentioned. No. Um, it said the line drive rate is actually higher than it was, I think, between like 2008 and 2011. Or yeah. 2012 <laughs> or whatever. Like, you know, I remember in 2009, of course, when everyone was complaining about how batters aren't going for line drives anymore. Yeah. I remember that. Just kidding. That never happened. <laughs> right. Right. Complaining about uh, Mark Teixeira and his launch angle. Yeah seriously uh they were they were all over that yeah um so yeah i guess you know that uh that broadcast did have the informational thing yeah sarah langs is, is blown up which is very nice to see i yeah you know i wouldn't i wouldn't mind to see not seeing her on uh on any broadcast with the information she's able to provide yeah. the information that not really many major league baseball broadcasts are providing in general. Um, I swear to you, like when you, she's also just a great Twitter follow too. Like I swear to God, someone will hit a home run before they even touch home plate. Sarah Langs will have like the, like the little, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, like the tweet where it's like the home run. It's like the distance on like the, the 3d like projection of the ballpark with like the the trajectory of the ball like i swear to god she'll have that tweeted out like before the player even touches home plate yeah it's uh believable is it on like no, is it just, only like, when any... there's a national broadcast no it's just like any random home run like it'll be just like a vlad jr home run like she had it for the john lester home run the other night yeah vlad yeah vlad jr 111.6 miles per hour 430 feet and yeah, she's got the 3D thing. Yeah, like I like she gets those out, just like that. Yeah, like she's Vlad, like she had a Vlad Junior Hawan, uh, on the on Tuesday. Yeah, no, she's been, been Wednesday. I'm sorry, Wednesday. 
she's been doing um you know a lot of a lot of stats she has a lot of stats that involve you know stat cast searches uh which is you know always very informational she also does the daily stat cast leaders of each individual day of the season that's very cool yeah yeah it's uh it's it's a new perspective in, in baseball that hasn't been really tapped into in the mainstream market um mm -hmm. so she's uh introducing that very well along along with some other people uh yeah i mean mostly you know we're big fans we're big fans of her you know the other uh women on the broadcast also yeah did a, a, apparently did a good job in the uh in the Rays Orioles game but it was, a, it was a good overall broadcast like even without the whole you know historical aspect of it like i would watch that broadcast again with the information that was given yeah and there was also that wholesome uh anthony santander uh soundbite yeah during yeah the game. Uh, that went that went viral where anthony santander like found out that they were doing the first all women broadcast and he was like you know like women gotta like continue to carve their path because they're, they're already smarter than we are <laughs> yeah he did have he did have that chris, moment that's a that's a how about that of yours chris yeah 2020 2020 how about that yeah. uh good for the brand yeah hasn't hasn't been quite uh the same in 2021 i don't think but yeah he had a he had a very good run uh yeah uh so that does it for uh the topics now we get into the part we've most prepared for uh where we're you know now we're going to highlight some players uh, or subjects that have been doing extremely well or you know somewhat good doing some positive things for their teams uh now for our friday july 23rd 2021 edition of who do you got for us today? Chris, today I am proud to say that we are crossing another team off the list. We have now covered 27 teams on How About That. And today I am looking at Tommy Pham from the San Diego Padres because he's been playing very well, uh, very, very, not even just recently, for the last couple months. Uh, since May 21st, he has played in 54 games. He is slashing... 316, 422, 539 at 961. Uh, he's been very impressive. I believe that's 162 weighted runs created plus as well. Uh, that 422 OBP that I mentioned is the fourth highest in Major League Baseball over that sample. And he also has 10 stolen bases over that time, which makes him the first Padres player in the, in the post-Tony Gwynn era to have a 420 on base percentage and 10 plus stolen bases over any 54-game sample which is very wow. impressive. And his walk rate is in the 95th percentile this year, which is the highest it's ever been. And when I talked about Tommy Pham before the 2020 season, he was one of my 2020 Padres to watch. And I mentioned how his, he, I think he had like a 363 on base percentage in 2019, his last season with Tampa, which would have been the highest uh, for the Padres in a single season since Chase Headley in 2012. Well, Tommy Pham's, current OBP this year is 383, which would be the highest for in, in a Padres qualifying season 
since Adrian Gonzalez in 2010. So it's been 11 years since a Padre has gotten on base as efficiently as Tommy Pham has been doing this season. And he's been particularly well in his last 54 games. And, I mean, he is quite the uh, he's quite the Eddie Yost, if I do say so myself. Tommy Pham. How about that? Um, yeah. Yeah, Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham, uh, he was – he was on my radar like a few weeks ago, and then he had a he went like zero for four the day before, and I was like, ah, well. But he's now. been like he's really strung it together in the last couple months, and glad to uh, cross another team off the list. Yeah, he's he's quite the uh, the walksman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Tommy Fam is. I have uh, I actually have two. How about that's? Let's go. Um, one of them. One of them I would say is a more boring one, and then one of them I think is a little more exciting. One one is boring because I decided I wanted to cross another team off the list. Okay. Uh, I think we, you know, we haven't. It's been weird. We I think the team just has a lot of so much star power that we already expect guys to be hot. Um, so we don't really point out when they're having success. Like you know, Lance Lynn was having a great, uh, you know just having a great couple months but we didn't mention it because you you know the whole point of how about that is to point out guys that uh you wouldn't expect to be doing as well and uh you know maybe this guy wouldn't fall under the category but uh and actually there there has been i will point out before i say this guy's name there's been a a guy that uh there's been a guy that actually on paper has been better than this particular guy uh, in this, in this span that I'm about to talk about, but peripherally uh, that guy has like a, a BABIP over 500. And I think the difference in batting average and expected batting average in the span is like over a hundred points on the negative side. So he's been getting a little lucky, but this guy, this guy, you know, has been definitely earning his way onto the bases and he is another ARR uh, above replacement radio comeback special Jose Abreu our uh, defending MVP who was a slightly alarming earlier in the season but has uh, turned it around against I mean not the not the greatest of competition the White Sox have been playing but in his last 15 games he is hitting 339 with an 1115 OPS he also leads the league in RBI in this span and this is partially due to him uh, being nine for 18 with runners in scoring position in his last 15 games, a 500 batting average with runners in scoring position right there. Also before the span, his strikeout rate was 24.5% on the season. And in the span, it is 17.9%. Pretty big difference there. Also in the span, he has a 63% hard hit rate. And he has the most hard hit balls in baseball since July 3rd. Uh, so Jose Abreu has been doing the thing uh, over the past few weeks and, and turned it around. Above replacement radio, comeback special. How about that? Chris, uh, and then... uh, Chris can, I, can, I say, can I jump in real quick? I appreciate you going out of your way in an attempt to cross a team off the list. But uh, I regret to inform you that we have, in fact, covered a White Sox on How About That before. Who who was it? 
uh, I talked about Yohan Moncada. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. Uh, the, the teams that are still on the list are the New York Mets, the New York Yankees, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Okay. All right. Yeah, I thought I thought you were going with like Zach Wheeler or something. Yeah. Right. I. Yeah, I did forget about uh, Moncada. Yeah. We, you there did was... name an episode after that. How about that specifically? We did. We did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, for some reason, I just, he just escaped escaped my mind. Yeah. But luckily, well, this is awkward. <laughs> actually, you know what? I'll just. I'll. I'll As, you know what? That's why you do two though. I'll seriously cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> like that wasn't even that good. No, no, no. Now thing. you got to keep it. Like that. This is too funny now. Uh, all right. Petition to keep in. the petition to keep the Jose Abreu. How about that? Yeah, because I mean, I don't know. The guy won MVP last year. You know what? Like the the, the the stats were good though. The stats were good. Yeah, they they were they were decent. Okay, big. We love a change in strikeout rate. Him having the. Uh, the most hard hit balls in baseball is, is something to, uh, yeah. something to look at, but now to my more, uh, exciting, my more exciting. So, okay. We got, so we have to cross off what Mets Phillies and who else? Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. 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 I've had three, uh, Yankees as slightly alarming. So, <laughs> well, that's, it's tough though. Cause like, like you mentioned with the white Sox, like we expect, there's a lot of guys in the Yankees that we just expect to do well because they get a lot of media coverage by nature. So like, we're not going to be like Garrett Cole is yeah, exactly. really, pitching really well. Like that. We're just not going to do that. Like we has got to be, you know, we do try to keep it off the grid, so to speak to a degree. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to do that with a team like the Yankees. And yeah. It's like with the Phillies, like, you know, all their, the Mets have just had a lot of injuries and the Phillies is just like, all their really good players are people we know about. It's like Bryce Harper, it's Reese Hoskins, it's you know, it's all these Andrew McCutcheon. Yep. Exactly. Right, Wheeler. exactly. It's all yeah. Yeah, this, the slightly alarmings are always gonna be skewed towards better teams and the better players. And the how about that's are always gonna be yeah, under the radar guys in general. Uh my my next how about that, the one that's uh, exciting is uh, Kike Hernandez of the Boston Red Sox. In his last 20 games, he is hitting 289 with an 1106 OPS. Uh, also, since June 27th, he has the most home runs of anyone not to participate in the 2021 Home Run Derby presented wow. by Team Mobile. Uh, by Team Mobile. <laughs> it goes, uh, they always throw that logo in there. They yeah. make everything pink. They really dedicate shout themselves. Out to, shout out to corporate. Yeah. Corporate stuff. <laughs> the 2021 home derby presented by t-mobile yeah all over the world the uh yeah that's yeah the most coverage it doesn't matter capitalism. how doesn't matter the quality of the coverage we have the most coverage um yeah so since june 27th the home run the home run ranks go number one otani number two gallo and then tied for third is juan soto pete alonzo and kike hernandez He's just been hammering the baseball. Uh, also in the span, he ranks ninth in OPS, eighth in slugging, and second in F WAR. Uh, yeah, he's been the second best player in uh, in baseball according to F WAR. Uh, you know, in the past almost month, he is also tied for fifth in runs batted in, despite being the leadoff hitter in every single game in the span. 
as he is hitting 368 with runners in scoring position in this span. And also before the span, his strikeout rate was 23.5% and his walk rate was 6.8%. In the span, his strikeout rate is down to 11.8%. He cut it right about in half. And his walk rate is up to 14%. He more than doubled his walk rate for the span. Uh, so he is definitely seeing the ball much better. And uh, as a result, you know, putting putting balls into seats, just everything is clicking for uh, for Kike Hernandez, who was signed just as mostly a utility guy who could help on defense, but really turning up the offense. And uh, as a result, pretty much second best second best player um, in the last almost four weeks. So Kike Hernandez. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of questions regarding the Red Sox, what they were going to do with the leadoff positions, but Kike Hernandez might be answering that question for them. Yeah, and he was someone who could have uh, had a slightly alarming segment before, but he's really, really uh, turned it around. And, you know, just every time you look up, Kike Hernandez is doing something for the Red Sox. Uh, he's just been spectacular. You know, last night, uh, particularly this kind of why he came to mind last night uh for men on first and second base uh two out in the ninth inning gets a two-run double to tie the game yep sets them up uh and, and on, a, on a the fact that he went down and got that pitch too right and he launched yeah. went down and launched it <laughs> yeah yeah uh so shout out to him now we go <laughs> from the to, high uh, by the way, just shout out to Brooks Krisky as well. For, yeah, that I mean, that was awesome. It was it was something where like yeah, if we didn't have the three batter minimum, he probably would have been taken out like in the middle of the first at bat. It was it was a combination of very lo- of great luck for the Red Sox because uh, Araldis Chapman and Zach Britton were both unavailable. And yep. Chris, and you know they like Chad Green that obviously struggled. A lot of Yankee fans are sh- saying that. They should have just kept Luis Sessa in for the ninth because he threw a five-pitch eighth. And, you know, that is I, – I can't say that isn't valid, but, I mean, like, you do also just have to expect Chad Green to be better. Like, you, right. Like, yeah. you can't blame Aaron Boone for the fact that Chad Green was throwing pitches right down the middle. Yeah, right. Like, look at the two-strike pitch to Bobby Dahlbeck, who has, like, a 67% strikeout rate, and tell me that's Aaron Boone's fault. Yeah, especially with Dahlbeck. All you got to do is get the fastball, like, above the belt, and, and yeah. he's done. Um, yeah, like, and Green was doing very well against the Red Sox in the last series they had. So why wouldn't you go with him? Exactly. And it it would be a thing. It would be more of a thing if Sessa blew that game. Like, yeah, it's like it why don't you just go to Chad Green? Right. It would be way more of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So now we go from the highs to the lows, highlighting players or subjects that have been underperforming. So now for the uh, Friday, July 23rd, 2021 edition of Slightly Alarming. So who do you have for us today? So back in 2020, uh, the Padres were one of the teams that I put down two players to watch. One of them was my How About That in Tommy Pham, and the other one is my Slightly Alarming in Chris Paddock. Because Chris Paddock just hasn't been the same since his rookie season. You know, I think people forget 
you know, he was he was a rookie of the year favorite out of the gate. Uh, and then he, he ended up losing to Pete Alonso, who hit the rookie home run record. But, you know, he still put together a very good season nonetheless. But since the start of 2020, he has a 4.99 ERA and 146 innings pitched. Uh, that ERA is 58th out of the 61 pitchers to have at least 140 innings pitched since 2020. And his problem is that he seems to be he seems to be going out there early in his outings and laying an egg. Uh, since 2020, he has a six ERA in the first and second innings with 60 innings pitched, and that is the fifth worst among the 73 pitchers with at least 50 innings pitched uh, in the first two innings. So that's obviously pretty bad. And then just overall this year, uh, there doesn't really seem to be a silver lining. And here's something that's interesting, Chris. When you have a 25-year-old, you know, pitcher with like high high velocity stuff you know a lot of breaking stuff what would you expect his problems to be uh what control yeah control but that's not been chris paddock's problem in fact if you go to his baseball savant page the only thing that's better than the the only thing that the only things that are better than the 50th percentile are his chase rate which is in the 57th percentile his fastball velocity which is in the 73rd percentile and then his walk rate, which is in the 92nd percentile, he's actually really good with walks. He's never had more than two walks per nine in any season so far. He just isn't striking guys out. Uh, oddly enough, his strikeout rate is in the 40th percentile this season. And then all his batted ball stuff is just bad. His average exit velocity is in the 20th percentile. His hard hit rate is in the 32nd. Expected Woba in the 32nd, obviously, as well as expected ERA. His expected batting average is in the 18th percentile. His expected slugging is in the 20th percentile. His barrel rate is in the 36th percentile. Uh, He just isn't, you know, he's not striking guys out. He just isn't being the overpowering pitcher that I think a lot of people expected him to be. Right. Uh, Chris Paddock. Slightly alarming. Uh, Yeah, he was someone, like, he was one of the only guys in 2020 that you had, like, high hopes for for the Padres. you know, people were probably thinking this is going to be a, another transitional year where mm-hmm. you're, you know, gathering prospects. But Paddock was someone to look for, but he really hasn't been quite quite that guy uh, since the start of uh, 2020. He's been kind of an – he's definitely been an afterthought in that rotation. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's probably he's probably just making too many mistakes, you know, over the middle of the plate. I would think. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the contour on his fastball this year, uh, it is it is very red down the middle. But that's not even that uncommon necessarily. Right. It's it's hard to judge, you know, how many yeah. mistakes a guy is going to make. Um, I mean, I know there's that metric meatball percentage. I don't know. Uh, what- yeah, I can check that. But I, I don't think there would be like like rankings for that. So we can right. Put it into perspective, because like you don't really look at that stat a lot, so it's, you don't really see what's like what's good, what you want. Yeah, I'm uh, like I'm trying to find it. I'm not seeing it over here. I'm trying to look at the at the uh, glossary, but I know oh, that. Uh, oh well, I mean, I guess this doesn't really tell us much, but his meatball his meatball percentage is at eight point seven percent, which is actually which is up two percent from twenty twenty, but it's only up it's only up uh. 0.4 percent from 2019 which is his best season yeah it's weird like you know it's hard to measure 
how many mistakes a guy makes. It just it's just a matter of if if you're, if he's not walking a lot of guys and he's giving up a lot of hard contact, you would imagine there's mistakes being made. Yeah. If if not, then he's just not being uh, deceptive enough and mm-hmm. he's being too predictable. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunate for Chris Paddock, uh, who, yeah, was, you know, spectacular r- rookie campaign. Yeah, he was, he was as, like people's rookie of the year pick in 2019, like before the season even started. He was an electric prospect coming up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Opening day, opening day started for the Padres in 2020 as well. Yeah, you know, three point three point three three ERA on on the year in twenty nineteen and one hundred forty innings pitched at the age of twenty three, nine point eight strikeouts per nine. He was something to uh, behold, <clears throat> but yeah, just hasn't hasn't been quite there. Uh, all right, now to my slightly alarming. This is a, a freeze over. He was not. Uh, a how about that of mine although he definitely deserved to be a help about that but he has been uh coming back down to earth rather quickly uh jesse winker in the month of july he is hitting 159 with a 430 ops in 75 plate appearances also this month out of 171 qualifiers, Winker ranks 163rd in average, 165th in on-base percentage, 169th in slugging, and 169th in OPS. Uh, I think the problems here kind of revolve around uh, how hard he's hitting the ball. Before July, his hard hit percentage was 52%, and his average exit velocity was 91.7 miles per hour. And currently in the month of July, his hard hit percentage is 28%, and his average exit velocity is down to 86.9%, uh, 86.9 miles per hour, uh, which is almost five miles per hour down what it was before the month of July. So uh, you wonder what the problem is there, just, you know, not getting enough uh, solid contact there. And also before July, he had a 12.8% barrel rate. And in the month of July, his barrel rate is 3.8%. Uh, well below the uh, the league average and nine percentage points down from what it was beforehand. So uh, Jesse Winker getting a slightly alarming and also uh, also a I think the third I think the third freeze over of the uh, of the year. I think I've done all the freeze overs. It's it's what Isaiah kiner Falefa, Jesse Winker, and who else? Uh, Chris Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cannot. It's easy. It's easy to be streaky in this game, but I would expect. Didn't, didn't I, I, I do Chris Bryant? We both. Did, it was one of the things where we uh, both we did both Chris did. Bryant. Okay, okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, uh, but I expect Winker. I think this this will just be a bad month for Winker, and I think he'll get back to. Uh, <clears throat> get back to form uh, by the end of the year, but yeah, not a good month for uh, Winker. So that does it for players to highlight. Now we will get into the preview of the weekend ahead. Uh, Some series have already started, but there, yeah, there are some series to watch. Um, The, the best series for sure uh, is, 
Brewers, White Sox. I mean, the feeling I get when I see the three pitching matchups that you, you're going to yeah. get into. The best pitching matchup of the day, all co- all three days, it comes from this series. The feeling I get uh, from seeing each pitching matchup is the same feeling I get when, you know, a, f- a fresh batch of 30 cookies are taken out of the oven and it's like, oh, wow, I'm about to devour some cookies. I'm yep. about this weekend. Uh, whenever I get the chance, I am going to devour some Brewers White Sox pitching matchups because man, was this, was this made for this is, pe- this is heaven. Yeah. Was this made for a baseball fan? This is beautiful. Uh, so yeah, that is the series to watch. Uh, I think another interesting series potentially for uh, the National League East and how that might play out is uh, Phillies Braves. Cause also if one of these teams does poorly or one of these teams breaks out could change implications at the trade deadline for how far teams are uh, willing to commit. So Phillies Braves is uh, something to look out for, but the series to watch is definitely Brewers White Sox. Uh, let's look at the day by day matchups. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I just want to say happy Zach day. Uh, we got Zach Allen going for the diamondbacks today. We got, and he'll be facing Zach Davies of the Cubs. We got Zach Wheeler going for the Phillies. We got Zach Plezak going for the Indians. And we got Zach Thompson going for the Marlins. Yeah, there we go. We got the day of Zach's on Friday. We also have Garrett Cole versus Eduardo Rodriguez in Yankees Red Sox. That's a good matchup. Don't be fooled by Eduardo Rodriguez's 5.19 ERA. Uh, He's been getting very unlucky all year. You also have uh, Max Fried going against one of the five Zach's. In Phillies Braves, like Chris just mentioned, you have Tyler Male going for the Reds against the Cardinals. You have Joe Musgrove going for the Padres against the Marlins. You have the aforementioned Willie Peralta going for the Tigers' eighth straight win against Kansas City tonight in uh, in Kauffman Stadium. That'll be a series to watch to see if the Tigers can extend it to 10 games. You also have David Price going for the Dodgers, and you have Yusei Kikuchi going for the Mariners against Oakland. On Saturday, you have Nathan Ivaldi going up against Jamison Tyon. Jamison Tyon's been pitching a lot better lately for the Yankees. You have Ryan Weathers going for the Padres. You have Max Serger going for the uh, Nationals. By the way, I forgot you actually didn't mention any of the pitching matchups in, in White Sox Brewers. Yeah. Uh, on Friday, you have Lucas Giolito versus Freddie Peralta. That's a great matchup. You have uh, Framber Valdez versus Kyle Gibson on Saturday. For Astros and Rangers, you have Hyunjin Ryu versus Taiwan Walker in Blue Jays Mets. You have there's a lot of good pitching matchups. Uh, you have Kevin Gosman going on on uh, Saturday for the Giants against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you also have Chris Bassett versus Logan Gilbert in A's versus Mariners. That's a really good one. But obviously, matchup of the day is Carlos Rodon versus Corbin Burns. That is a juicy one. Um, you also have Casey Mize going for the Tigers, but I mean, that is quite the matchup. And then on Sunday, uh, you have Aaron Nola going for the Phillies. You have Sonny Gray going for the Reds against the Cardinals. You got a pretty good matchup in Padres Marlins with Yu Darvish versus Trevor Rogers. And that's a strong one. You have Zach Greinke going for the Astros. You also have, ooh, you have John Gray versus Josiah Gray. 
Wow. Yeah. Like, not only do they have the same last name, they have the same first two initials. Right. Yeah. First two, first two initials in their first name. Uh, that's a good one. You have Cole Irvin going for the A's. And, of course, on Sunday Night Baseball, shout out to ESPN for answering my prayers and going with the best game for Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever seen ESPN cameras inside Miller Park slash American Family Field. But uh, they're doing it for Lance Lynn versus Brandon Woodruff. By the way, uh, ESPN is continuing this trend for next week's Sunday Night Baseball. They could This week, they could have just gone Red Sox-Yankees, but they went Brewers-White Sox. Next Sunday, they got uh, Red Sox versus Rays at the Trop. Right. Yeah. Like, they could have gone – I mean, they could have gone elsewhere with that. They could have gone Blue Jays return to Toronto. That would have been a good one. They could have gone, like, Brewers-Braves in Atlanta. They could have gone with Indians-White Sox. But, like, they chose – I mean, like, shout out to them for choosing a ballpark that they don't usually go to. Yeah. Uh, for two weeks in a row, going to Milwaukee, then going to uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, absolutely. Crossing some uh, ballparks off the list. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we mentioned – we mentioned Eddie, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, gets unlucky. And uh, just for statistical data, out of 113, out of 113 uh, pitchers who have 200 uh, batted ball events against them, or uh, or now balls in play against them, so I guess it excludes home runs. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is the third unluckiest when it comes to difference between mm -hmm. both ERA and expected ERA and uh, WOBA and expected WOBA. So he has a, uh, he's been the third unluckiest out of 113 pitchers. So that's why we mentioned, that's why we mentioned uh, what's been, what's been going on with him. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think ESPN, ESPN never does the same matchup twice and twice in a row. So I don't, put it past them that they would have done Red Sox Yankees again if they could. They've done but Red Sox Yankees twice in a row before. Same back to back. And it's weeks. been a while, but they've done it before. I, I believe that. They, yeah. I, Cause I, I do remember earlier in the year, uh, Padres and Dodgers was a matchup two weekends in a row. And they only did uh Sunday night baseball for, in, for one of those in LA. Yeah. I think they just, they get they got enough complaints where they didn't want to do something two weekends in a row. But uh yeah, shout out to them. Brewers White Sox. It's the people's it's the people's main event and uh they're treating it like it. Um apparently the the Cleveland Guardians just found out the players just found out through social media. MLB posted like the logo and Zach please Zach just goes, That's one way to find out. You know what? It's I mean you don't really players don't really need to know the team name that yeah, much i don't know i feel like it's kind of important like hey by the way this is uh before the public knows here's what we're gonna be like i don't know i think it would have been cool if they did like the if they revealed the jerseys the same way they did like the the sit like the city connect ones i guess they haven't revealed jerseys yet but i mean it's probably not gonna look super different because the font is the same and everything the colored scheme yeah i don't know i thought maybe the players would have known beforehand this is what they're wearing across your chest next year yeah, but I mean, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe they just didn't say so that no word would get out about it and they could announce it without any rumors around it. But yes. I don't know. There was rumors, though. I saw on Twitter like a couple weeks ago, like it looks like Cleveland will be the Guardians. 
Oh yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they meant to say something yesterday and they forgot. I don't know. But they wouldn't say anything today because they announced it in the morning. Uh, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. That wraps it up. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, if you... Uh, Want to follow us on social media? Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel, Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for uh, all the show uh, all the show needs. Uh, sometimes sometimes there might be a, a stat that you might have missed on the show. Yep. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you on Monday. Uh, we're going to be having a we're going to be having a guest. Uh, he'll you know, he's been on the program before, but we plan on having a guest. So we will be talking about all the MLB happenings in uh, all the happenings in Major League Baseball on Monday with a guest. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.